It's sharply down the line, base hit for Bats. Three consecutive hits to open the day. Turner can walk home. The third goes Muncy. It's one nothing just like that. Hits this ball a ton. Left center field. Way back and gone. Chris Taylor with a two-run blast. And the Dodgers with a four-run first. Ground ball. Base hit into center. Bets in to score as Seager drives in a run with two gone, and they lead 5 nothing. And that was basically the ball game yesterday at Bush Stadium. A lot to get into. That's BK. I'm Danny Mac. Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN, and that's presented by Summers Wealth Management. Find out more at summerswealthmanagement.com. 5-1 was the final. We're going to get into the game in just a moment, but first, uh, BK, have you recovered? You were... Uh, <laughs> You know, it took me about 40 minutes on Friday. I said, you know, BK's not here. And then I was like, where, where is he? Is he sick? What's going on? You know, what's happening in his life? And you were on a bachelor, your own bachelor party. That is correct. And yes. what did you guys do? How did it go? We went to Memphis. It was fantastic. From start to finish, everything was great. Uh, it is an awesome city with live music everywhere. You sound am, a little tired. I am exhausted. Are you? Um, <laughs> it, it took a ton out of me, but I can't wait to do the show today. I wish we talked about something other than four out of five losses while so I was gone. you left on, what, Thursday night? I left Thursday afternoon. Got so there that's Thursday about a four-hour drive, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Got down there around 7 o'clock on Thursday. We got plenty of baseball to talk about. Don't yeah. rush me through this. I got questions. Okay. All right, so you get there. What do you do? Uh, so we went immediately to Beale Street because, okay. of course, that's yeah, you what you go do, to Beale right? Street. Went over to Beale Street. My buddy had a great night. Um, just going to leave it at that. Uh, one of the six of us had a very good night that evening. Did you have to bail him out? No, okay, no, so no, no, no. Like nobody that. went to right. jail over the weekend, which was uh, okay, a good. win, really, right. in every regard. Yeah, then everything was fine. Good. Ended up there. The next day was my roughest morning. Um, didn't eat anything until about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Had a really tough time getting Central Barbecue down. That was a rough one. Uh, and that was with a football Saturday, or is this Friday? This, this is Friday. Okay. <laughs> this is right. day one. Day one was a tough one, Dan. Okay. Um, day two got a little better. Uh, ended up going out and went to a place called Laughlin Yard. Anybody that's been to Memphis probably knows what I'm talking about. Really cool spot. Hang, hung out out there. Had some good uh, meals while we were out there. A lot of Beale Street. A lot of Beale Street. Yeah. Uh, Silky O'Sullivan's, if I never see one of those buckets of red cream soda with a lot of liquor mixed into it, and I think they threw Miller Lite on the top, and I'm not exactly sure why. If I never see another one of those again, I'm going to be fine. Good for you. Yeah. So you had fun. We had a great time, Dan. And then, uh, of course, we went you... to the dog racing spot. Oh, I love it was doing wonderful. that. That stuff's fun. Bet on some football games. Yeah. Lost money on a lot of football games over the weekend. It didn't go particularly well for mm-hmm. me, but we had a lot of fun, man. Brad Barnes did well for himself at the uh, at the casino. Was uh, was the fiance future wife checking in? Like, no, not too much. She left you alone. Yep, yep. She left me alone. Alex was even able to make it. That's made it awesome. For one night, but he made it. So. Um, is she? Does she have a bachelorette party? She does. She's going to New Orleans. Hers is going to be much more expensive than mine was. <laughs> well, how's uh, are, is she going to be able to do it with everything that's going on? With it's not uh, for another month. Hers yeah. is October, like the first weekend in October. So they think they'll be able to pull it off. Okay. But if not, they're researching other spots just in case. Uh, I, I actually happen to agree here on the text line three zero nine. BK seems to be avoiding the evening stories. <laughs> The evening stories were fine. It was great. It was a good time. Good time was had for all involved, Stan. Well, who was all involved in the evening? 
Uh, there was 14 of us that ended up making it out at any given point in time. Uh-huh. It was a wonderful, wonderful. I'll just say this. One night included for one gentleman, a flight attendant who was in town for one night, who had a good evening. Is that, that right? It. That was it. That's what we got. Wow. My goodness. He's single. Just to clarify Okay, here. well, that's good. I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, to each their own. And then you got uh, you got home yesterday, right? You made it home okay? Yeah, got, made all right, it home good. all right. That's a, that's a rough drive on the way back. I mean, it's an easy drive. It's four hours straight shot right Did up 55. Did somebody drive you home? I, I was the driver for our uh-huh. car. Yeah. Uh, we had multiple different cars, but my vehicle, I was the driver, and... Uh, about three stops later, we made our way back. Well, good. The voice is hanging on in all okay, all things considered. All right, buddy. Well, uh, four hours might be a struggle. <laughs> it, well, good to have you back. And uh, how the Cardinals do what I was? Congratulations gone, on the pending nuptials. Thank you. Thank and you. Uh, that's wonderful that you had a good time at Beale Street. All right, now to the Cardinals. Uh, dropped two or three over the weekend. Sunday was as tough. A, you know, we were. T- <laughs> Somebody asked me again. Unfortunately, this happens about every, like, 10 days, 14 days. Is that the worst loss of the year? Mm-hmm. Sunday may have been. Um, you know, you, you've had a road trip in which you split with Pittsburgh, should have taken three of four, if not four of four, and had the opportunity to do it. So going back to that series, it was the seventh inning blow-up by Cabrera in game one. All of a sudden, you lose that game, even though you were in control. When the next two, Sutugo hits the walk-off homer. That was tough. Then you look ahead to uh, Cincinnati. Got some momentum. You know, Cardinals played well in game one, pitched well, very well, with John Lester giving up just the one run with the home run to, to Kyle Farmer. And then all of a sudden, uh, you win the first game of the doubleheader, and you get smoked in game uh, two of the doubleheader, but you take two or three. Then you look at the Milwaukee series. And you win game one, lose game two. Hauser was awesome in game two. Not a lot of adjustments offensively, but that's, hey, sometimes guys are on. He was on. And then in game three, you had Burns. And you got him out after five innings, and you had scored against him. And and essentially, you had Milwaukee on the ropes, and you had a chance to win that series, and then all of a sudden, it blows up. That one was a tough one. And when I think back to the games this year of, magnitude of losses i think that's the one that stands out for me even more so than the others sutsugo uh the cubs at home in the ninth inning because if you take two of three in that series you're coming home with momentum and uh that one because of the the timing of it you're in september you know you're, you're hanging on in the wild card that one was probably the toughest of the year and then yesterday it was just max scherzer he was awesome it's also tough dan because now you're looking at the bullpen and you're looking at these roles and you're like i mean just throw it into a blender and let's see what comes out because gallegos has really struggled now for the better part of a month i mean it, the numbers may not reflect that so much in his era but opposing hitters even going into the weekend we're batting 330 against him i believe in the second half of the season that's not a very good rate. He was getting hit around quite a bit. Alex Reyes, we've already talked about all of his struggles of late. So you add those two in and some of the command issues that we've seen in the second half from Cabrera reappearing. Luis Garcia and TJ McFarland are really the only guys that you're like, I, I pretty well know what I'm going to get out of those two. And TJ McFarland, it's, it's a limited role that he's able to fill for you most of the time. But that's the thing. Why? And, you know... I think, and again, it's 
baseball's all second guessing hindsight 2020 you know in that game and i understand that his role has changed you know when he first got to st louis the idea was and the big three at that time were kind of rolling i mean there was there was some cracks in the armor but they still were going pretty well so the idea was let's get a strike thrower in here to hopefully bridge the gap and not only for you know two-thirds of an inning but talking about multiple innings to now his role has become especially with helsley hurt he comes in with runners on and gets you a ground ball double play and then he's out of the game and so when i look back at sunday because i went back and kind of looked at the scorecard and things that you could have done differently and you know we all can debate whether or not you bring alex reyes in that spot that's an easy one to debate but do you keep McFarlane in to extend him beyond what he did or do you keep Garcia to extend him the problem is with Garcia at that point in time his spot was up in the lineup it wasn't though with McFarlane you could have extended him so my point is is that maybe you're going to have to get multiple innings to get to the back end of the game from those two guys and maybe the back end of the game is going to be Luis Garcia I would have been fascinated if he had a save situation yesterday and let's say Michaelis gave you six. Where do you go at that point? Are you saving Garcia? Does uh, somebody else come in and get you the seventh and the eighth? Is it McFarland maybe for multiple innings? I think Garcia is going to be the guy now. Well, he's going to be. He's going to have a choice. Uh, you know, a chance to do some of that. I think. Um, and Gallegos, I still think will have a chance to close some games out. Mike Schild even indicated that. But it's going to be a patchwork situation. And Sunday. You know, not only did you lose the game, but did you lose Alex Reyes? And that's the thing with a young pitcher. When you bring him into that spot, it could have been if he gets out of it, man, that's a a building block and going the right direction. That's a huge thing that happens for him personally. I'm just talking about him individually. But when you lose, did you now lose him for a couple more weeks mentally, you know, Mm -hmm. fragile? Those are the kind of things that, man, you got to think about in those spots that make it very, very tough. I understand why you did it. just didn't work out. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We got this text from the 618, Dan. Did you see Alex Reyes' body language as he was getting ready to come into the game? That was something that really stuck out to me. I think you guys had this on Bally Sports Midwest. I believe that was the broadcast I saw that it. was on. I, he, he didn't look like I looked at it two different ways. Guy. Well, okay. I, I looked at it like... Um, where I know some people thought, well, you know, he's coming in and Dauber's down. I I actually thought it was kind of like, man, give me the ball. I'm ready to roll. I kind of looked at it that way. Okay. Now, I could be wrong because I do think that when I've seen him come in in games that are non-save situations on that trip, he, he did not look – he looked frustrated, you know, like upset that that was his role mm. to be diminished. Um that just my, I haven't talked to him. I don't know if that's true, and I wasn't able to talk to anybody down on the field about that because we were in a studio and, and they're on the road. But I would have been interested to ask that question. And But here's the thing, though. It's incumbent then on the staff to get to him and others on the team and say, hey, man, this is Major League Baseball, and if you're down, you can't be down. Go back and earn the role, and you can't be like that. So, you know, that's but that's dealing with young personalities and young people in every walk of life. It just happens to be on the center stage of your television every night with Alex Reyes. Yeah, and you can't lose him. This is a guy that is way too important, not only to the here and now, but to the future of the team, um, to to lose him mentally with where he's at right now. His stuff is still really good, and I know the control issues have been there all year long, but when he's right, he's maybe the most dynamic pitcher on this this roster not named Jack Flaherty. So you're going to need that guy. 
and you need to find a way to get him going again. And now the question is, okay, in what role is that going to be the case? I don't think you bring him in with runners on anymore. Like give him a clean inning. That's got, that's got to be the way you start things. And they out. did that during the you know the road trip after he was removed after that Sunday game. They gave him a couple clean innings, and that's what I was talking about before in the body language. Yeah. I didn't necessarily like it, but again, I'm not in his head and I'm not talking to him. So sure. I, you know, it could be just the way he's handling himself. Who knows? Um, but I'm with you now. Now you have to find probably a non high leverage spot and build them back up, but you're running out of time. You got a, you know, 20 plus games left in the season. And that's something to think about. I, I do wonder, and now here's something to think about. Do you, do you put Alex, do you, do you make a start out of him? Do you give him a start before a couple of starts before the season is through just to give him some innings? If he's, if that's the you know direction you're going to go to like for instance, and I don't, I'm just thinking totally outside the box here. Thursday, it, Kim is scheduled to start. To me, he didn't look overly sharp, obviously, in his last start. And I'm not sure if he was healthy or what was going on there. So I guess we'll find out more when we get to the ballpark today. And and maybe it's nothing. Maybe he is going to make that start and just move on. But is it Woodford? Do you, do you think maybe about Alex Reyes for a couple of innings with Woodford to back up? I mean, that's something to think about, too. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, that's, again, I'm thinking completely outside the box with some of these things. And they're talking as well about potentially doing some piggyback situation with Flaherty and... Sure. Um, and that would be another Hudson spot. As well. Right. And, and they, they talked about that last time around with Flaherty and Michaelis, so I'm, I'm a little skeptical of it, but I think Hudson's probably going to make his way back at some point this year, whether that's a two-inning roll, four-inning sure. roll, whatever. Um, and I think that's when maybe you really start to see, okay, should we try Alex Reyes with Dakota Hudson? Do you go Dakota Hudson for four innings and then Reyes for two? Where he's piggybacking, you're upping the innings a little bit. It's a every fifth day type of a schedule. I think that's worthy of consideration at this yeah. point, especially if you end up dropping out back a little bit further in the mix, then I would definitely be considering it. But to your point on Kim, he hasn't gone more than four innings in almost two months now. Right. I, I'm okay with finding out what my other options are in that spot in the rotation because I don't think Kim's probably going to be back as a starter next year. Let's see what these other guys have to offer. Yeah, so let's uh, dive into the game when we come back, uh, what happened yesterday, and then looking ahead to uh, what more than likely is a start tonight for Albert Pujols against a lefty. Jay Happ is starting for the Cardinals, so we'll get into that in just a moment. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. One of the positives uh, from the ball game yesterday, that's BK. I'm Danny Mac. Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN, presented by Summers Wealth Management. Find out more at summerswealthmanagement.com. Um, was the crowd. The crowd was great yesterday. We had over 43,000 at the ballpark. I was working with Jim Edmonds, and I said before the game to him, and then we brought it up uh, during the broadcast, I said, man, this was what it was like pre-pandemic uh, just about every night, especially mm-hmm. on the weekends. But, you know, you had 40,000 plus. Yesterday was standing room only. And uh, unfortunately, the first inning got off to a rough start. Obviously, you're down 4 nothing after a half inning. But there was a buzz going into that game. And there was many reasons as to why. One, it was Labor Day. It was a beautiful afternoon. Albert Pujols is back in town. So, you know, there's... Uh, the anticipation that he might play or pinch hit, whatever the case may be. 
You had Max Scherzer. He's going to the Hall of Fame. And we this is a baseball town in many, many ways. And so whether he's with you or against you, it's still fun to see the opposition that has, you know, Hall of Fame type players. And by the way, he's from St. Louis and went to Mizzou and he's a Missouri Hall of Famer, Missouri University, Missouri Hall of Famer. So that that part was cool. The other part is the Dodgers are really good. I mean, it's fun to go watch Mookie Betts. I enjoy seeing Mookie Betts play. I like watching Max Muncy. I never thought I would say that, but Max Muncy has become Chris a... Chris Taylor, yeah. another guy that I never thought I would be like, eh, hey, I'd like to go see him live. Corey Seager, Bellinger. They're third. I'd like to see a lot more of Corey Seager live. Uh, you may. I would like to watch a lot of his you, games. You might. Uh, <laughs> their third baseman is fun to watch. Justin Turner. I mean, they're they're a fun team to watch. You got four Cy Young Award winners and four former MVPs on your team. It's fun to watch. So there is all that going into the game. Um, so let's just talk a little bit about the crowd. I would anticipate, I, I said this on the crossover, my understanding is uh, we could definitely be over 30,000 for all three games. Could be over 35, I think, for two, close to 40, maybe on a couple of them. And uh, I'll be really curious about the crowd tonight because we've been talking about it on the air. It's been mentioned a bunch of times. Albert, primarily, when used, and if he's going to start, is going to play against left-handed pitching. So, Jay Happ goes tonight for the Cardinals. You would have to assume, barring something weird going on, Albert Pujols is in the lineup tonight, which makes going to the ballpark, if, if you're thinking about it, go to the ballpark because you don't know if you're going to see him ever again. I mean, this could be his final year. So Pujols will be in the starting lineup tonight. And in the ninth inning yesterday, the, we won Albert. I mean, it got loud. It and was I, awesome. It was the Dodger fan, Cardinal fans, all of them wanted to see Albert Pujols, um, which was cool. And so I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens tonight. I would imagine, and I don't, they probably won't announce this kind of thing publicly, but I would have to imagine tonight will be as big of a walk-up crowd as they've had all season long. And the reason is because of what you just said. Like, you don't know too far ahead of time exactly what the pitching matchups are going to be in certain situations but now you know for certain Jay Happ's going tonight lefty on the mound as you said that's basically the formula okay that means Albert Poole starts for the Dodgers and if you're a Cardinals fan and you were like okay I want to go to one of the Dodgers game I want to go to the one that is guaranteed that I'm going to see Albert and the others it could go either way. You just don't know. But for this one you're pretty certain that you're not only going to see him you might see him multiple times come to the plate tonight. That's the game that you want to go to out of all of them in this series. So Pujols was asked about his memories of the last time he was in St. Louis, in which I think he had 11 plate appearances, standing ovation before everyone, hit a home run, a memorable shot at Bush Stadium. But what about those memories? That's something that that was really special to me. I think uh, as Rank got there, probably one of it's not the best moment of my career probably out there you know one and two you know including the war series so uh, that's something that i that i would treasure forever that's something that i would share forever with my family and friends that were part of that 2019 hot summer uh you know uh in san luis but uh i i really i really enjoy it i'm looking forward to to enjoy that again this week Looking forward to it tonight. By the way, the Dodgers always travel very, very well. And there was a lot of Dodger blue in the seats yesterday, too, which is fine. Um, that was fun aspect of it, too. The the crowds were going back and forth. Um, I was disappointed that Molina and Arenado were not in the lineup. Now, 
from a baseball perspective, hear me out here, if there were zero people in the ballpark. So, well, we had that last year. But um, if you Been had, if, yeah, we, we did that before. Don't want to go back to it again. Understand, guys need a day off, even in a stretch run. Now, we don't know, you know, the, in the game on Sunday, Molina was hit a couple of times in the hand, and he was shaking it out, and there was a backswing that got him on the side of the head. So it could have been, you know, where he was literally dinged up a little bit and could not play. Arenado, not great numbers against uh, Max Scherzer. But having said that, when you have the biggest crowd coming to the ballpark, I want to see the best players in the lineup. And that's something that... You always want to think about it this way, in my opinion, BK. We're in the entertainment business, and so entertainment means seeing the best, and that's a future Hall of Famer behind the plate, maybe a future Hall of Famer at third base. Both were not in the lineup, and you know that was something I think that may have been disappointing for fans that uh, came to the ballpark. And the other thing that stinks, Dan, is now you've got – so you're going day game after a night game on Thursday as well, and then another one on Sunday. So those are typically the spots where you would see uh, potential off days for guys like Goldie and Arenado and Yachty, some of the regulars. Are you going to do that again? Like right after we have just seen that, I, I don't think that that will be the case on Thursday Maybe you do it on Sunday where you get those guys a day off, but I don't think so. I think from here on out they they got to play, and that's the that's the question: is do you do it in that first game against Scherzer, or do you do it in Thursday night's game when you've got Thursday, a, day, Thursday game. A day game when you've got a little lesser opponent on the mound for the Dodgers? I think it's twofold: is that you're coming off a ten game long road trip, sure. um, and then. <laughs> the guy on the mound is really good. So Baseball-wise, it made sense to do yeah, it yesterday. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. You know, Baseball-wise, yes. Entertainment-wise, I want to see those guys in there. Now, let's go back to the game. The first inning, Miles Michael is 31 pitches, and all of a sudden it was 4 nothing. Then later in the game, it was an unearned run. But what happened in that first inning, according to Mike Schilt? I think that's to be somewhat expected. I'm not going to make excuses for Miles. I don't think he'll make them either. But we're still very hopeful Miles is going to put it together. We're seeing signs of it. The stuff is good. But he hasn't pitched competitively in, you know, close to two years. And now he's starting to get in the rhythm of that. And I think every time out, he's been a little better. It got him in the first, and then he just settled down. And, you know, it was a whole new ball game after the first. But it, the first still counted. But better as he went, more crisp, and um, did a really nice job to get us through five. You asked me during the break off the air about Michaelis moving forward. And I think Mike Schilt just hit it on the head there. As we advance the story and you look at 2022 and you say, boy, Miles hasn't been great. You know, he's gotten knocked around a little bit. He's only going four or five innings. And the way I look at it, two years off is a long time, a long mm-hmm. time. And again, I'm not making excuses. This is You either do or you don't in Major League Baseball. It's results-driven business. But when you look at the long haul of what you're expecting out of Miles Michaelis and to get the most out of him, um, come out of the season pitching every fifth day, the fact that he can make every start in September, have a normal offseason, prepare, train properly, have a good spring training. There's no reason to think that he can't get back to some form of where he was a couple of years ago. But two years off is a lot. And so you're going to have those those times where you're a little rusty. And when you just miss a little bit to Chris Taylor or to Mookie Betts or others, you get hit. And that's what happens. I think the most important part is that he's healthy. He's able to go out there and he's able to punch clock every fifth day. That's the biggest thing for Miles Michaelis right now because you want to make sure that he's good to go for next year as well. The the concern to me, Dan, and my hope is that this doesn't matter and he's going to be fine going into next year. But he makes so much money as such. He has a large contract. You're you're expecting him to be a starter going into next season. 
And if he's not able to regain that form, if this is who Miles Michaelis is right now, and again, I don't know that that's the case. It's just a concern right now for me. If he's a guy that's going to go more five innings or so consistently, well, then I can't really pencil him in going into next year as my number two or three starter. He's got to be more towards the bottom end of my rotation at best and maybe a reliever at worst. And that makes me wonder, okay, what's the offseason plan look like for this team? How do I plan for, okay, it break glass in case of emergency. Miles Michael is not the same guy as he was two years ago when he gave him that contract. Who do we go to here? I hope they've got options available to them there just in case. Unlike this year where it, it kind of became a, uh-oh, what do we do now? Well, I think you you have to plan for that. So if that for means sure. going out and signing a guy and taking a flyer on somebody, then you do it. And if that guy... You know, all of a sudden, Michaelis is back, and Wayno, let's just say that he's back, and you got Hudson, you got Flaherty. Um, you should be covered, but we found out that we thought the Cardinals would be covered this year, and they weren't. You know, Oviedo was a guy that you had to bring up that was exposed and should have been in the minor leagues and not developing and trying to do it at the major league level. That's tough to do until they went out and got LeBlanc and, you know, the, the two lefties that have helped kind of calm things down with that rotation so I'm with you I think you got to be covered with that in terms of Michaelis what does he need to do moving forward we had a tough game in Milwaukee and the team needed a big one for me today and I kind of let him down by coming out a little sloppy but it's encouraging to to be able to turn that start around and, and come back and be efficient uh through the next four innings you know if I can come out if I can eliminate that one bad inning uh whether they score all the recording in progress whether I, whether they score all those runs or not, if I can let them do it in less runs, I mean, I can go six, seven innings if I'm efficient. That's Zoom life right there, baby. Yep. little Zoom action, recording in progress. Um, so, Michael, this will get another start, obviously, moving forward. So, one hit, a walk, one run. It wasn't earned. Six strikeouts after that first inning. Looked pretty good and really just kind of went right through their lineup. Now, on the other side, Max Scherzer, eight innings, six hits, no runs, no walks. Strikes out 13. Cardinals were 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. They left 5 on. And, um, you know, Max Scherzer was Max Scherzer. By the way, he might be the Cy Young Award winner again um, because of what he's doing right now with the Dodgers. They have won every start that he's been on the mound. That's 7 now. Um, And he's been awesome. And he looked great yesterday. And once we talked about a lot during the telecast. Once the shadows, when you have that start this late in the year, once the shadows start to creep towards the plate and then onto the mound, it is really tough, really tough to hit. I remember during postseason play, I think it was in 11 or 12, Lance Berkman said, I was worried about getting hit in the head because I couldn't see the ball. And then you have a guy that can locate and is nasty and is moving everything around. And he changed it. The fun thing about watching Scherzer yesterday he would start everybody off. I always write on my scorecard, you know, like first pitch, curveball, you know. So I, I watch what happens next time up. And then it was first pitch, fastball, second time up. Next next time was changeup. I mean, he's just, he's a pitch maker with great stuff. And he was awesome yesterday. Awesome. Do you think he ends up getting it over Bueller and Burns? Because uh, that, that I think those are the three right now. That he's now in the conversation now. He, he leads the league in ERA. The innings are something that I think might be a factor with Bueller because Bueller has thrown 35 or 25 more innings this year than um, than what we've seen from Scherzer so far. So there's probably going to be some voters that take that into account. And the, the ERAs are, are nearly identical. Mm-hmm. So that would be the one one guy that I might see. I think those Milwaukee guys now have kind of moved back to third place beyond, but behind those two. Three-headed monster mm-hmm. of all those guys. 
And the other thing, too, is they still have some games remaining with the Giants. And sometimes, uh, like I'll I'll go back to when Chris Carpenter won the Cy Young with the Cardinals in 05. It was a matchup in September. He was matched up against Roger Clemens, and I, he either went, I think he went eight or nine. Might have been a complete game on the road against Clemens, and those two were kind of like one and two for the Cy Young. And I thought after that game, the Cardinals won that game, I, I was like, Chris Carpenter just won the Cy Young. And if you have those head-to-head matchups where everybody is watching the Giants and the Dodgers and Max Scherzer goes out and just shoves for eight or nine innings, that sometimes puts you ahead of others. And it's a game that resonates with those that, that vote on it. So that's something to keep in mind, I think, going forward. Well, guess who they finished the, se- the season with the yeah, that's Dodgers? Right. They, mm-hmm. they finished with the Brewers. So you might see a head-to-head matchup. I don't know how the schedules are going to set up for them, but you might see Scherzer on the mound for the the Dodgers and then Bueller on the mound the next day for them going up head-to-head against the two guys that are potentially in competition for that from the Brewers. And on the flip side, though, you sometimes get separation sure. to where, you know, all of a sudden these games don't matter. And you're like, well, we're, we're going to have Max stay on turn, but he's going to he's going to throw four innings yep. and get him ready for. And the Brewers postseason. definitely could do that because they've basically locked up. the Exactly. Division at this point. And I think that's a, something that you're going to see uh, coming up. We'll go around Major League Baseball. This is the Danny Max show with BK on 101 ESPN. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Around the major leagues we go, and I guess we can tie this into uh, the major leagues, but the uh, unveiling of those sweaters for the Blues on Friday, as Tanner just mentioned, the Blues put out on social media, it looked like the gold and the blue, like the the dark blue, kind of just like not even showing the, the logo or anything else, but it kind of yeah, like that. The trim. Yeah. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I'm up be for awesome. it. Yeah. I, I loved the no last red. winter. Don't cl- put the red in there. <laughs> no, don't go with that. Yeah, amen to that. No red. The last winter classic jerseys are my favorite blues jerseys. So I don't, it's going to be tough for these to live up to that expectation, but... I mean, they're going to be awesome. And the Winter Classic is one of the coolest things that any sport does. It's kind of the basis for which we talked about the Field of Dreams game, right? Yeah. You, you go play the sport that you love somewhere that you wouldn't typically play it. And it makes for some cool backdrops. And uh, it's it's really cool that uh, the, the Blues are back in this again. All right. Major League Baseball news and notes. Uh, the Braves signed Charlie Morton. One year, $20 million extension. Includes a $20 million option for 2023 with no buyout. Uh, the Braves start a homestand tonight. They had a rough road trip. And in that road trip, the Phillies now are a game and a half back in the East. The Mets are four. That is a, uh, that's one of the divisions that's still up for grabs. As you look at this, obviously the Giants and the Dodgers, both are going to postseason play. Dodgers are one back. Milwaukee, 11-game lead, so you know that's going to be uh, done there. Houston, five and a half in front of Seattle. No one talks about Seattle. They're 12 games above the 500 mark. The White Sox, a comfortable lead of 10 games, and Tampa Bay with an eight and a half game lead in their division. But the National League East, BK should be fun here down the stretch. I think we're going to get two teams out of that stupid division, Dan. You think so? (laughs) I think so. I think it's going to be the Braves and the Phillies that end up making it. When you look at their schedules that are remaining, I mean, it's just so much easier than the gauntlet that the Cardinals, the Reds, the Padres have to go through. Looking at the Padres' schedule, it's like, 
Dodgers, Giants, Do- good yeah, luck. It's tough. Like, I, and the I don't Cardinals, know. you know, they got the, they got to come on the road to, the, to St. Louis with Absolutely. the Cardinals maybe playing for something. They've so. got three games down the stretch against Atlanta head-to-head. It It's really difficult. I mean, we talk so much about the Brewers and the gauntlet that was in front of the Cardinals with Milwaukee playing them so often. There's 10 games still on the schedule for the Padres against San Francisco. It, it's difficult for me to imagine a scenario in which they're able to overcome that. So the wild card in the American League has the Yankees leading by um, a half game over Boston. Boston is three in front of Toronto, and the Red Sox had to put Nick Pavetta on the COVID list. They've got Do they have ni- anybody available? I think it's like nine or ten guys now on the list, and I mean big names. But yet they they played well over the weekend. Yankees lose their setup man on the uh, 10-day IL strained rotator cuff. That's not good for them. And Toronto, they're getting hot. And one of the reasons why, if it wasn't for Shohei Otani, this guy might be the MVP in the American League. There's a hanging breaking ball. He hits it to right. Doesn't take much to hit it out here. And this one's gone. Number 40 for Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Back-to-back home runs for the Blue Jays here in the first. They beat the Yankees eight to nothing. Now Vlad and his father are just one of uh, two father-son duos to hit 40 home runs. Prince wow. and Cecil Fielder, the other one, so pretty amazing. Rays Wander Franco extends his on-base streak to 36. He got a triple, and it was a uh, it went back and forth. This game was wild with Tampa Bay and Boston. Swings and drives one back into center field. Well tagged for Dugo to the wall. It's going to be over his glove off the center wall. And Franco's headed to third. He will make it standing up. A triple for Wander Franco. 98 is sky back into deep center. Verdugo to the wall. It's going to be over his head and off the wall as he was looking into that glove for the ball. Now trouble picking it up by Iglesias. And Meadows is going to try to score. And around the bases he goes. Inside the park. And this game is tied. 11-10, the final. Tampa Bay wins that game. That's a crushing loss for Boston. Again, dealing with all the uh, COVID issues. Now, let's look at the scoreboard uh, watching here with as it pertains to the Cardinals and the wild card. Padres had yesterday off. Let's talk a little bit about that. How do you get huh. a day off on Labor Day? Every team should be playing on Labor Day. The, the Padres were this off. The been a little bit befuddling. And, and Atlanta was off. What? You got to be playing on Labor Day. People got the day off. They're going to go to the ballpark maybe. So I I don't understand that. But the Padres had a good weekend thanks to Jake Cronenworth. High drive, deep right field. Tucker going back. We are all in the crowd zone. Jake Cronenworth walks it off against the Astros in San Diego today. 4-3 Padres. They take two of three. I like him. Don Orsillo? I like him. Don Orsillo does a great job. Longtime Boston uh, announcer now with the Padres. We're all in the crone zone. <sighs> okay. Uh, Reds drop two of three. It's way better than that nonsense from Pittsburgh. <laughs> the the uh, Reds drop two of three to the Tigers over the weekend, and then they were at Wrigley yesterday. Drills that one. Left center field towards the gap. Going back, and it's gone. It just snuck out into the basket in left center field. Ian Happ will touch them all. Three-run homer, and all of a sudden you look, and the Reds are not playing well. They're now a full game back 
of San Diego in the wild card, and they lose that game at Wrigley. How about the Cubbies? They've won now seven straight. What's going on? I thought this was supposed to be a historically bad baseball team. They get good all of a sudden right before the Cardinals have to see them a bunch down the stretch. What the hell? So right. To be fair, they played the Pirates. Yeah, okay, that's gone well for a local team here. Yeah, hold on now. They're major leaguers, too. They're on scholarship. My boy Sutsugo can only hit against the Cardinals. That's why they win. Sutsugo! Close. Sutsutsugio. Okay, sorry. That's how he called it. Sutsutsugio for Phil Collins. (laughs) That bleeping guy. Uh, Stop that. (laughs) He's a good dude. Phillies dropped two of three over the weekend to Miami and then went to Milwaukee. It was hit hard enough. The ball is hit well down the left field line. It is gone! Grand slam for Gene Segura, and the Phillies lead it 11 to nothing. 12 nothing would be the final. Cardinals need some help from, of all people, Milwaukee, because the Phillies are in front of St. Louis in the wild card by a game and a half. They're now 71 and 66. They won that ball game 12 nothing. And the Mets, they need some help from Washington. Stevenson takes off, ground ball up the middle. The Mets can't pick it. The run comes in. Josh Bell scores, and the Nats have walked it off in the bottom of the ninth. So they beat the Mets yesterday. So the Mets are four and a half out. Cardinals three and a half. Phillies two. Cincinnati one. And if it ended today, the Dodgers and the Padres would be your wild card, and the Giants would win the National League West. It's going to be a lot of up and down, jumping teams, teams falling back, whatever, with just over 20 games to go in this regular season, which the wild card makes this fun. Yeah, it's going to be awesome to watch down the stretch. I if, if there is any team in baseball that is holding on more than the Padres, I would love to know who that team is because they have been hoping for the season to end, I think, for a month now. They're just waiting to please God, do, just allow us to have just enough time to get into this thing. When they were no hit by Arizona, I think since that time, they won either six or seven games, and that was in like August 12th or 13th. So almost a month. They have not played very, very well. They played well early on, but then they just couldn't pitch. So we'll see if they can hold on. Should be fun. All right. Albert should be in the lineup tonight. He's going to join the uh, fast lane at 3.30 for a programming note. You don't want to miss that. And you've got three more hours coming up with Alex. Absolutely, we do. Uh, we are going to have a lot of Cardinals between now and the end of the show. we got to talk about the frustrating weekend that was, Dan. I just can't trust this team. I want to. I want to fall back in love. And I, I want more than anything for them to make me do that. But they seemingly every time they give me an opportunity to do so, they tell me why not to the next day. So we'll get into that coming up to start off the show. And Jeremy Rutherford joining us at 1215. All right. Good stuff. Good to have you back, Tanner. Awesome job. By the way, uh, Joe Pettini is with us tomorrow, right? Joe Pettini was a long time, great dude, long time a manager and coach in the minor league system of the Cardinals, and then was on Tony LaRusso's staff as a bench coach for many, many years. And if anybody knows uh, Albert well, it's Joe Pettini and working with him and, and saw him in his prime and saw just about all the big hits and moments with uh, Albert Pools. So looking forward to visiting with Joe Pettini, and that will be tomorrow right here on 101 ESPN.